Guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Triggered. And as promised, as promised, tonight we have your favorite president and happens to be my father, Donald J. Trump. I'm not sure how I managed to pull this off, but we're going to have a cool conversation. Obviously, we're going to get into politics because <laughs> these days in our family, you can't avoid it. But we had some fun uh, putting together this book. It's called Letters to Trump. It's basically a, a collection of all the letters uh, written to my father uh, over decades, uh, primarily even as a businessman. Some of them uh, happen when they're in politics. But as we go through this next election cycle, as we look at the results achieved by his administration versus the disaster that we're experiencing right now, uh, I think this is a little walk down memory lane uh, in history uh, about where people always were with him. I mean, the people who wrote him these glowing letters of support throughout his life uh, about friendship, about loyalty, who then, uh, let's just say, took a drastic turn uh, in a different direction. Um, I think it's amazing. I think it talks a little bit about human nature, uh, about the way that works. And I think it talks for us as conservatives about the battle that we're up against, how the outrage cycles, the mainstream media, big tech, how all of that is actually manufactured because you don't go from the letters that you'll read in this book from, you know, people like Oprah, uh, Michael Jackson, Alec Baldwin, uh, you know, a bunch of Hollywood people, a bunch uh, of celebrities and former presidents from Reagan, Nixon, Clinton. Uh, it just shows you how much of everything we see and digest on a daily basis is just totally manufactured. So I think it's so important to understand all of that. I mean, uh, for me, we found uh, these letters in an archive, literally doing some uh, cleanup in an office, and there were just boxes and boxes of them from some of the biggest people in the world, royal families, uh, you know, Prince Charles, Diana, uh, and you know, wanted to put this together just to show people what it was really like before we entered this uh, crazy landscape of politics. So I think you guys will find uh, the book uh, truly fascinating. You can find it at you know, 45books.com. Uh, if you go direct, you can you see it for yourself there. But I wanted to make sure, you know, have my father talk about that. Again, I think we're going to get into the politics probably as well, because y you can't help but avoid it. We're in a primary now that's starting, you know, two more years uh, of hell. But we're fighting for our beliefs, for our freedom, for our republic, uh, all of which, uh, all of which, as we've watched, uh, are on the table. They're all at risk. They're all in jeopardy right now. So you guys are really going to like this. Uh, it'll be interesting to interview my dad, right? It's, it feels a little bit uh, different, uh, but uh, I think we'll have some fun, and I think you guys will love it. Check out the book. Thanks a lot, guys. You're the best, and uh, check this out. Well, guys, welcome back, and we are here with your favorite president, and it's about time. Uh, we had an awesome for the book. This was a cool project. I, I wanted to talk about it in detail, but in going through your archives over years, there's really an incredible history of uh, business people, celebrities, uh, world leaders. Talk about letters to Trump and what it means and what you've learned. Well, first of all, I can't believe I'm being interviewed by my son. <laughs> I've had Barbara Walters, I've had everybody, and now it's my son, and I think it's great. And congratulations, because your show or podcast, whatever you nowadays call these things, is doing incredibly well, it's I doing hear. doing well. See, people like what you are doing, and they like what yeah. we're doing, and they like that message, and they see how many people are trying to prevent 
you know, that movement from moving forward. That's true, but it is moving forward. And if it wasn't doing well, I would tell you, you don't think, right? <laughs> well, that was going to be one of my last questions. I was going to ask you, what would you do if it was my laptop from hell? Because I think... <laughs> I, I think our audience would want to know what would happen if it was my laptop yeah, from hell. I would say this sun thing isn't working out too well. <laughs> I was actually saying the other night, I was watching just story after story, and I sort of joked about it a little bit, but it's really not funny because the country is not uh, in a funny situation. But yeah. at some point, does Biden say, you know, this whole sun thing is not looking good, it's not working out? Is there some anger, or does he not really understand how horrible these things are? and what's being revealed. But what's really being revealed isn't, because Correct. some of the stuff in there is so bad that they don't want to reveal it. It's well, like unbelievable, including pictures of various types. So, you know, let's hope yeah. it all works out. But I would think that Biden could not be very happy because this has taken up a large portion of his, uh, his presidency. Now, I, I will tell you though, uh, we had phony charges like Russia, 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 impeachment hoax number one and two, and all of the different things that took up a lot of our time, but we got a lot done, more than probably anybody would have gotten done. Well, talk about that. I mean, I think that's what's perhaps, you know, despite the Russia, 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 despite all the obstacles, impeachment one and two that they put forward, your agenda actually still got something done. That's with even the rhinos working against you with all of DC, with the full weight and force of big tech and mainstream media working against you. And people saw real wage growth, incredible job numbers, energy independence, how come no one in politics has been able to do that and you know, they profess to be the experts? Well, I don't think anybody's done more than we have as president with the tax cuts, the regulation cuts, the Space Force, the right to try, and so many different things. And uh, some of the things that we would have done just would have happened automatically. You know this better than anybody. Zero chance that Russia would have attacked Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, zero chance of any uh, attacks with China uh, if you look at China, what they're doing, what they will be doing probably with Taiwan is certainly making the moves. They weren't making any moves during our time in office during that four year period, which was an amazing period of time. Uh, inflation wouldn't have happened because it was started by energy and we were energy independent and we were starting to sell energy at massive levels to Europe and other places. I mean, so many things that uh, were just, I guess, unforced errors. They were the things that have taken place in our country, and as particular the border, uh, Afghanistan, the way they withdrew from Afghanistan, yeah. like uh, the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country, in my opinion, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And by the way, I'm the one that got it so that you could withdraw. I was, I was okay so that you could withdraw. But I will say this, I would have kept Bagram because it's an hour away from where China makes their nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And now China has Bagram. From what I understand, China has Bagram. Afghanistan didn't want it. Uh, one of the biggest bases anywhere in the world, air bases anywhere in the world, and cost us billions and billions of dollars to build it many years ago. We were gonna keep it because of China, not because of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And so many mistakes that have been made, and those mistakes wouldn't have been made had the election not been rigged. Am well, so I allowed to say that on your program? Yeah, you can, no, listen, hey, that's what's nice about Rumble. You can say what you want. You know, and if, you say that, if you say that now on Fox or anybody, they say, oh, let's cut that, let's cut that, let's... And, you know, part of the problem they have is they're so afraid of speaking the truth that it actually hurts them. And is that why they fired Tucker? Uh, I mean, he gave you a lot of credit uh, two weeks ago on foreign policy that you're the only guy that would have stopped perhaps these wars. Do you think that, you know, going against the uni party 
going against the establishment and actually having those conversations was a big part of that. I think it's a shame what happened to Tucker. He had the number one show. He was doing great. His show's very interesting. And he was out there in the sense that he was telling the truth. To me, the other ones are out there because they're lying and they're hiding and they're afraid to talk. Yeah. And Rubber in my opinion, Fox would not have had any award. Uh, the first thing they needed is a new law firm. But if you think about it, it's a platform. People go and they talk about the platform, whether it's elections or anything else. And they say the election was good, the election was bad. Everybody talks. They basically said the person holding the platform is libel. This was the craziest case I've ever heard. And to pay almost $800 million, and they have other cases Well, coming. to a company that's tiny, right? I mean, if there's liability and you do damage, it's based on what the company is actually worth. This seems like it's worth multiple times what the company could ever possibly be worth, and yet they were willing to pay it. And it seems like that was to, designed to probably prevent you know, a Rupert from having to testify or something like that, but it doesn't seem like a fiduciary responsible decision. I don't know how they could have lost the case if they had lawyers that would have talked about free speech, had, had lawyers that would have talked about platforms. It's a news platform. That means every time somebody goes on the news, if they say something and if it's wrong, CBS or NBC fake news or ABC fake news, any of them, any of these uh, groups or outlets or platforms are going to be responsible for whatever said. It's ridiculous. You won't have any news there, but they ought to close up their, their news shows right now. So uh, I think losing Tucker, having Tucker not be there is going to have a big impact and a very negative impact on Fox. Yes. Uh, and yet, you know, perhaps some of the interesting letters in this book, you have the letters from Putin. You have letters from Kim Jong-il. You have, you know, you called them love letters and you were criticized, but talk about, well, you were criticized because they didn't understand actual negotiation, in my opinion. But talk about the ability to have that relationship with those people. I don't think we make any qualms and pretend they're, they're wonderful human beings. They're, you know, dictators. But to be able to pick up the phone and actually have a relationship seems like it could stop World War III, which is where we're verging towards these days. When I called them love letters, I said that obviously sarcastically, but they were letters where there was a certain degree of respect. I would say ultimate respect. And there was a liking. We got along, which is a positive. I tried to explain that's a positive thing. And the fake news picked it up. He said they were love letters. He said, and I just say, it's just, there's just so dishonest and they're so disgusting and they're so bad for our country. Uh, and one of the very, uh, Terrific things I've done is I think I've notified the world and notified the people of our country that the news is, in fact, and not all of it. You have some great journalists, some great everything, but there's a lot of fakery in the news. And the concept of fake news is very good. The only problem is I didn't get it quite right because it's not strong enough. It should be corrupt news, mm -hmm. but somehow that doesn't play as well. The only problem with fake news, it's not strong enough because it's actually much worse than fake. When you look at the 51 uh, intelligence, so-called intelligence agents, uh, and you see what they did, knowingly lied just before the election. And it had an impact on the election, by the way. That's election fraud, just like ballot I have a stuff. feeling, again, they wouldn't be writing letters to protect me if I was no, in the Hunter Biden situation, no, they, right? It would have been a little different. Nobody knows why do people want to have open borders and millions and millions of people coming in from insane asylums and mental institutions and prisons and Ruining our country, it's gonna ruin our country. We have to stop it. It's what they're doing is so bad. And why do they wanna have high taxes, high interest rates, 
a bad military, a woke military. You look at the top of the military as woke. Why do they want to have no voter ID? That, you know, is easy because they want to cheat. Uh, you, you really say, why would a journalist, they go to school like we do, they go to the same schools, not as good as some of the schools we went to, to be honest with you. You know, I always get a kick when they say the elite. I said, oh, are they more elite? That's elite, really? Uh, well, the elite seem to be having a hard time paying for their college loans, and they want hardworking Americans to do that, which also seems uh, pretty ironic. The term elite is ridiculous, but, you know, they like to use it. I don't know. It's somehow uh, a term that's used. But uh, why, why are they fighting common sense? Because uh, I think I can speak for you. I can speak for me. You I know very well. <laughs> but you're somebody that's got great common sense. I have common sense. Common sense means a good border. Common sense means good education. Uh, you look at what's going on in the colleges and the endowment should be attacked. Frankly, if we look at what Harvard has, billions and billions and billions of dollars, and then they do bad things to our country. So there's a lot of things we're gonna be doing. All we have to do is get in. Uh, we got more votes than anybody. I got more votes than anybody. Uh, any sitting president by a lot, by 10 million votes more than Obama, Think of it, 10 million yeah. more votes. I was told we get 63 million, we can't be beaten. We get almost 75 million votes. And, and that's the votes that they showed. That's not adding other votes. So when you look at it, but the main thing is we have to win in 24. And if we don't, because this country is going Marxist, it's going communist, it's going bad. Yeah. And everybody knows it. what they do to people. They're torturing people. They're using the, they weaponize their uh, justice system and nobody's ever seen anything like it. So I will tell you that uh, if this country doesn't win the presidency in a very short period of time, I used to say four years, that's so long, but now we're talking about a very short period of time, uh, this country cannot survive. You know, President Obama is maybe one of those people. You have his letter in the book, and you know, in reading the letter to you when you took over the White House, it's, it's very preachy about democracy and all that, and yet, you were actually 100% right, right? It wasn't about democracy. He was spying on your campaign. They started the weaponization of the government that we're talking about, that we're seeing manifested, that we're seeing you know, Republicans in Congress now attack. But you actually called that way before anyone else. Talk about that letter, the hypocrisy of all of it, because it was elite, preachy towards you, and yet they were doing the exact opposite of what they were saying about okay. democracy. So I thought the letter was very nice, all right? I thought it was a beautiful letter, beautifully composed, handwritten, all of the things that it should be. Uh, it's a very important letter. You know, when you receive those letters from the previous president, it's actually a very important one. And uh, nobody's seen the letter that I wrote to Biden, but uh, and I, I felt that would be up to him if he wanted to do it. But it's given from the heart and very strongly from the heart. But I will say- uh, in, So it's not in, the meme that we've seen out no, there, which is no, Joe, you lost? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it was a very nice letter, very well composed actually, but uh, the letter means nothing compared to the fact, because the fact is they spied on my campaign and we caught them. And we caught them and we caught them very strongly. It took a while to do it, it wasn't easy. But these are people that are willing to cheat and steal and rob. And frankly, the Republicans don't fight the same way. The Republicans, uh, we love our Republicans, but they don't stick together. We have the Mitt Romneys of the world mm -hmm. and the Paul Ryans and the Carl Roves and these people. 
And they're very, very bad for the Republican Party. And well, the they stick together, the but not for the benefit of what actual Republicans around the country They don't want. fight as hard as they should. They don't fight for the right things. Like I hear there's big windmills being built, wind farms being built off the Jersey coast. That's a terrible thing. It's bad for the environment. Forget about the environmentalists. The environmentalists support it. And I think that's there must be a reason because they are a disaster. It's the most expensive form of energy. It's destroying our oceans. Our whales are being washed up on shore at a level 15 times more than normal. But it's definitely not that they're telling us. <laughs> and uh, the Republicans have to stop it. And they are not as strongly opposed to it as they should be. That's all I'm going to say. It's a terrible thing. I was dealing with Jeff Van Drew, who's a great congressman down in mm -hmm. the uh, Jersey Shore, along yep. the Jersey Shore. It's fantastic. And he called me and said, we have to stop this. We have to stop this. Nobody wants it. We have to stop it. They want to build virtually thousands of windmills all along the coast of New Jersey. I think it's a horrible thing. And hopefully the Republicans will be able to stop it. So this book goes back years. There's a lot of history. Uh, people who were, I mean, kissing your butt in a, in a great way, complimenting you on the work that you did, giving you, you know, it's giving you props for incredible ideas. Who was perhaps the biggest disappointment of those who sort of conveniently just forgot decades of history, decades of relationship, uh, you know, of those people. I mean, I know in the book you have, you know, Oprah, you have Rosie O'Donnell, Michael Jackson, you have Princess Diana, Alec Baldwin. I mean, it's sort of interesting when you see where some of these people have gone. Who was your biggest disappointment and who was the person that actually stuck with you the best? So I have to say many were great and some were bad. Uh, you had some politicians, I think they probably all voted for me, you want to know the truth. You had some people that uh, were politicians that were on the other side. Maybe that's a natural thing, but you had a lot of uh, celebrities, a lot of movie actors, a lot of people were mentioned in the book. And some were great and some were bad. And some were people that I know very well. They said, you know, they wink at me as they say something somewhat negative. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, in Beverly Hills and in Bel Air and in Palos Verdes and all these rich communities, I'll bet you a lot of them voted for us, uh, when you think, and by the way, while I'm on the subject of California, so I do rallies, a couple of them, not too many, because everyone says you can't win California. I think it's totally wrong. They send out like 38 million ballots. They go all over the place. Some people get seven, some people get five, some people get two. They send out these millions and millions of ballots, and then the ballots start pouring back in by the millions, and I, go to California, and I think I'm very popular in California. I don't think, I think the whole thing is a rigged state. And you know, anytime you have mail-in ballots, you're going to have fake elections because yeah. it just works that way. They have to go to the postman, the postman sometimes delivers, sometimes they don't, sometimes they take them from a Democrat area. Look, you are going to have rigged elections, and whether you love Jimmy Carter or not, he was a nice man and he was a truthful person, he did a commission, and he was involved with a couple of other people, pretty well known. But he said, you cannot have mail-in ballots because it's ripe for fraud. And there's tremendous, tremendous fraud with mail-in ballots. Uh, they deliver them. I mean, people get six, seven, eight of them, and many of the people, more Democrats, and they're the ones that get them, they get sent to Democrat areas and less Republican areas. We've had complaints where Republican areas didn't get their ballots and they don't get them and Democrats get seven of them. Yeah. So look, 
You will never have honest elections if you have mail-in ballots. France uh, had an election. It was paper ballots. It was a one-day election. It took one day, France, 36 million people, and they had voter ID. So you have paper ballots, you have voter ID, you have the same day, and they had 36 million people vote. And by 10 o'clock in the evening, it was over. They had a winner, they had a loser, and everybody went home and they started working on the next election. With these things, you, you have weeks afterwards, they still don't know the vote, they still don't know the count, nobody knows what's going on. You have some places where it goes a month and almost two months. It's our voting system is so bad. So what do we do to change that? I mean, I, I agree with you, meaning they, they've been able to set the table for that, right? We can't change to same-day voting, paper ballots, voter ID, well, you can. if we're not in control, but we the have to Republic, win first. The Republican governors can do it right now. And Republican governors should do that right now and at least get this thing started. Because ultimately, to have it right, you should have, and you probably have to have, Paper ballots, same-day voting, voter ID, and you have mail-ins for military when they're far away and people that are truly sick, not people that are vacationing someplace and they send in their ballots because they, they you know, don't want to do anything or they send in more than one. The right way, you take a look at so many countries where they actually tried this. We try it, it gets worse and worse. Every year they loosen it up and they make it worse. That's another thing yeah. Republicans The Europeans who are far left of us on these issues are shocked and how lax these things are, how ripe they are for fraud. And yet it continues, and that's fine because the Democrats want that and the media will cover for them. And big tech is also backing that system up. But you know, to me, it's a number one issue that we have to actually engage in for 2024 to actually surmount the insanity that's going on right now. So we have to get there first and we have to live by a horrible system. Now, I will tell you, the system is just horrible. Uh, nobody knows what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, they had small races, a couple of them in New York and New Jersey where they had mail-in ballots, and it was a disaster. They still don't really know who won. They declared winners, but nobody knows who, who won. They won in New York. I actually think that perhaps the opposing, uh, the opposing person won, and yet they called it for somebody else. They just don't know what's going on. And the, what you do is the paper ballots, same-day voting, voter ID, and eventually, if this country doesn't get back to it, they're never going to have honest elections. And, you know, when you look at 75% of the people think the elections are not honest, a country can't even survive with that. Between borders, elections, I mean, the things that we have going wrong in this country, it's yeah. very, very sad. But that's why I'm so happy you're doing what you're doing, because you have a big voice and you will explain it. And I don't know, can anyone take him off the air? Is it possible? Now we're on Rumble. That's what's nice. We can actually say the things that others are thinking and you're not going to get penalized. You're not going to be canceled. You're not. And so I think it's why we have to support those kind of platforms. I mean, there's other places even I was probably you know, offered to go, but you don't want to spend all that time. And then one day you say something that ends up being 100 percent true three months later, but they throw you off the platform like well, a dog and you know, they, they prevent that. And, you know, that's one of the obstacles, you know, we're up against. So you, you I know, did a recent interview and I thought it was great and they left the whole thing in, but they cut out that little section when I talked about voter fraud and I sort of knew they would. Uh, even the, the Nelk boys, the yeah. Nelk guys are great guys, they're great. And I did their show and it had a lot of viewers, the first one I did, and I said, watch, you're gonna be cut because I talked about voter fraud. You shouldn't be cutting for voter fraud. They should, how about the people that defrauded? Those yeah. are the people that should be under investigation. These, in this country, Voter fraud, they go after the ones complaining, not the ones that do it. It's the most incredible thing. So I believe it's, it's turmoil, 
But I believe ultimately that's going to be a big victory. Well, you see that as well. I mean, I even saw that on that interview that people have done the same with me, not know was their break edge, but they take nine seconds of a, of a two minute long clip and they say, this is what he said. And it's like, well, you listen to the explanation, it's literally the exact opposite. And yet, you know, those things are dishonestly manipulated to try to create a point and then that goes viral online. Uh, you know, well, you, usually they don't take it. Usually they cut it. Because well, it's someone else, be, yes. They don't want to be talking about voting, especially the 2020 election. They, the one thing they don't want to be talking about is that it was fraudulent because they got away with murder and they don't want to be talking about it. And if you notice, and I notice it all the time, the ones that stay with that theme, uh, they're the ones when they go down to see this January, this fake January, this partisan, disgusting January 6th committee yeah. made up of just horrible people that I really believe hate our country. Yeah. When you talk about, when, just take a look at some of the people, when they go in and say the election was rigged, the election was stolen, the election was this, and that, we don't want to talk about it. Get them out of here. Yeah. When you have people that are apologetic, they take them for a long periods of time, and let's talk about it. Well, once the videos came out of all the stuff from January 6th, it, the entire narrative mm -hmm. changed. Guys were released, and yet they managed to keep that under wraps from the American public for two years, denying them basic due process. And I mean, I think that's the problem of what you see today. Everything's an act, right? Biden announced his campaign for re-election this week by video. Do you think that's because he was incapable of actually doing it live and in person? Because those don't seem to work out too well. It's shocking that I saw that. It's shocking that somebody's gonna run for presidency and they do a tape, they put it in a can. And supposedly he had to do it seven or eight times before he got it right. But to think of it, you're running for the presidency of the, who would even think of doing that? Uh, but in retrospect, probably it was a smart thing to do for them. You mentioned about the tapes on January 6th. Well, there's something went on and it'll be interesting because I think Tucker probably now is in a position where he can say what happened, but he yeah. was all gung ho about it. This was gonna be running for a long time because he had a lot of tape and all of a sudden it was just sort of shut down never to be spoken of again. And I think that was a hard period for Tucker, to be honest with you. Well, listen, I think he did an incredible service to those people, but the fact that it took that long in our government just shows just the unequal justice under the law. But they don't want those tapes exposed, meaning they, meaning yeah. the Marxists, the communists, the radical left, they don't want them exposed. Mm -hmm. So in the book, there's some interesting letters, right? You have a letter from Oprah where she actually talks about possibly running with you as a running mate. Uh, when you see that, I mean, that sort of level of love, commitment, understanding of your abilities to perform the American people, and then you see the reversal of all of that, you know, just catering to the, the Hollywood elite uh, and the mainstream media mob. What does that tell you about the state of our country? Well, I think Oprah was being nice and she was kidding a little bit. You know, I think, I don't know. You, I don't you know, wouldn't know that by the letter if you wanted <laughs> you, you weren't really political at the time, time right? Yeah. So maybe, maybe that was nice. Once you put an R next to your name, it's different. If you were a Democrat, maybe she'd be all for it still. So, uh, I don't know. I look, at, I look at some of the letters and I'm amazed by them. I look at others, I thought they were very beautiful things. I thought the Diana letters were beautiful. Mm -hmm. I really thought they were great. Uh, she would not be too happy with one of her sons right now, I can tell you that. No. Because uh, I think what what has happened to the family, I got to know the Queen very well. Well, talk about that because that was interesting. I the, one of the probably the only trip I went with you internationally was that, and that was just a cool thing to be a fly on the wall. And the Queen 
I remember we were as a family just in the waiting room for her to come and I was just standing back towards the door and the door opens and it was all of a sudden it's the queen. I'm like, oh, even, even me, not usually sort of uncomfortable in those situations. It's like, ah, what do you do now with all the decorum? And she sort of gave me the pat on the back and like, don't worry about it. There was an element of her that was actually just very cool. She had performed at such a high level for so long. You had really an interesting time with her. Uh, probably an unusual connection. Why do you think that was? What was that like? I got along with her well. I was uh, supposed to be with her for 15 minutes and it turned out to be a long period of time. And uh, we got to know each other well. She liked me and I liked her. She actually made, made it be known. She liked me a lot and I liked her a lot. And she was probably, I guess, 94, 93. Uh, I think when I met her, she was 92 and she was 100% sharp. That's why with Biden, it's not the age. You've got something else going on. It's not the age. Yeah. Uh, 80 and 81 and 82. I know people that made their fortune from 80 to 90. I know people that are 90 that are amazing. You look at uh, Bernie Marcus, he's 94. Mm -hmm. You talk to him and it's like he was 35 years old. Uh, so it's not an age thing. I think they like the age thing because I'm four and a half or five years younger than Biden. So they like to bring the age thing up. Yeah. And I think that's why they bring it up. Because everybody knows a lot of people that are in their 80s that are just as good as they were 25, 30 years ago. And uh, it's not an age thing with Biden. He's not old, relatively speaking. I mean, it's, it's uh, there's something going on and it's not good. And our country's in big danger. Our country's never been in the danger that we're in right now. We are the most dangerous period of time in history. We have weapons that are so powerful, they can blow the hell out of a, any place they, they touch. Anywhere, not even near, far away. You drop it here and far away, it's a massive damage and death. And we have somebody that doesn't understand what's going on. We have somebody who doesn't understand these leaders. I understood him well. well we have we a lot of people on our well. side that seem not to understand it as well. I mean, I see Mitch McConnell say, it's the number one issue is arming the Ukrainians. And I'm saying, I don't think that's a number one issue amongst Republican voters. It's not a top 10 issue amongst uh, Republican voters. And yet that's still Washington, D.C. leadership. Mitch McConnell's a disaster. He's a total disaster. He's a disgrace to the Republican Party and to the country. He approved all of these things. He got 10 people to approve them because they needed 10 votes or more or less, depending on how many people are going to show up. But the Democrats tend to show up. Mitch McConnell is a disaster. Uh, gave them trillions of dollars that was unnecessary. And now hopefully we're going to take a lot of them back because of debt ceiling. But uh, he has been, uh, he's been, nobody could even understand why he's that way. It's like they have something on him. I'll say it on my son's show. It's like they must have something on this guy because Mitch McConnell has been a disaster for our country. And uh, his wife, Coco Chow, who I got to know very well, uh, she, you can have her too. Talk about your relationship with Rush Limbaugh. There's some you know, incredible letter from Rush. You gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Amongst our people, he would have been you know, a Tucker-type character, right? A, a once-in-a-generation type character, uh, thought leader, et cetera. You had a really interesting relationship with him and probably one that maybe many wouldn't have ever thought would have emerged the way it did, given sort of your apolitical nature prior to this. So Rush was special. I didn't know Rush at all. I heard of Rush and I saw Rush on television, but I never met him. And when I made the announcement in 2015 that I was running for a president, I made it at the uh, base of the escalator in a building that you know very no, well, right? Trump Tower. And came down with Melania and uh, the kids. 
or the kids, we'll always say kids because when they're the kids, they're the kids, but even if they're a little older than you would think of. But uh, when the family was there and Melania was there, everybody was there and I made a speech. I didn't have speech writers or anything, but I talked about the wall. I talked about the rape that takes place. I, take about, I talked about everything. And uh, All it got and great reviews until about two or three days later when they said, did he say rape? Well, it turned out that the word rape as used by me was peanuts compared to what happens because the women coming yeah. up in those caravans, it's a travesty what's going on. The raping and the pillage, it's, it's horrible. And pouring into our country at levels never seen before, millions and millions of people. I think by the end of this year, you'll have the real number will be close to 15 million people, not four or five million people as they're projecting. Yeah. I think close to 15 million people. Right now, they're waiting outside because of our medical exemption. They're waiting outside in the hundreds of thousands to pour into our country as soon as the time expires, which is going to be in another uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to pour into our country at one time. We have no idea where they came from. We have no idea if they're sick, if they're well. We have no idea, did they come out of the prisons? Did they come out of the mental institutions? What they're doing to our country is unthinkable. So you mentioned the infamous escalator run, which is sort of an amazing start, right? Who would have thought that was the start of an entire political movement, maybe the largest in American history. But in the elevator before the escalator ride, you actually said something to me. I wrote it down in my, my book, Triggered. I just thought it was sort of fascinating because you just, you understood it. And you said, now's when we find out who our real friends are. Meaning you understood the way the world works. If you're going to do this, you're going to make enemies of people who were friends 15 minutes before that. But more importantly, that you chose to do it anyway, despite, you know, sort of that consequence. What have you learned about, you know, friendship and loyalty since then? Because I thought business was vicious until we got into politics. And now you realize that's a whole new, whole new level. So you mentioned Rush. So Rush heard my speech, saw the whole thing. And he was with me from that moment on. I never met him. And they said, Rush Limbaugh is with you. And he ended up endorsing me very quickly. He knew all the other candidates. He ended up endorsing me. And he was absolutely an amazing friend. He, he never wavered. He never right. wavered uh, with all of the nonsense that went on, all the hoaxes like uh, Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. He never, ever wavered. The guy was amazing. And there was nobody like him. I'll tell you what, Sean Hannity said it because Sean's doing great, and Sean is fantastic at what he does. But he said, there's never been anybody like Rush. Uh, Mark Levin said it too, uh, fantastic guy also. Mm -hmm. But he said he was, he was one of a kind. He never wavered during the bad times, during uh, any time. And I, I heard that he was on my side, didn't know him. I told you I never met him, but uh, he, was, he was incredible. Then I got to know him. Then ultimately, I gave him the presidential Medal of Freedom, yeah. which was a fantastic, you know, it's the highest civilian award. I gave it to him during the State of, <laughs> during the state of the Union. And you had half the room going wild and half the room was dead silent. <laughs> they, they, they were less than thrilled. Crazy. I remember that one. No, that was no, the, they were dead. They're like this. And half are just going wild, standing ovations that wouldn't stop. And you said, I wonder if there's a little divide in the nation, right? But uh, Rush was a fantastic guy right until the end. And he was very brave. He, he fought on when very few people could have really sustained the pain that he was in. But he loved doing what he was doing and he loved our country. But I'll never forget, you know, people 
They want introductions because they'd like to get the support. I never met Rush. He was the biggest guy. He had like 39 million people listening. And out of nowhere, they said, this guy loves you. He's going to endorse you. I said, I don't even know him. He just liked what I had to say. I talked about the borders. I talked about military. I talked about education. I talked about a lot of things. No speechwriter. Most of it was just off the cuff. He loved what I had to say. And from that moment on, that was a very special day. But from that moment on, Rush Limbaugh was with me 100%. You had some interesting correspondence with Reagan going back and forth in the book. But the one that was interesting, there, there seemed to be a lot of back and forth with you and Richard Nixon. Uh, his wife even wrote one of the letters, you know, basically, that Donald, if he, if he decides to run, he's going to actually win. Talk about that relationship and how did it start? Well, you know, they had a very good relationship, actually. A lot of people don't know. In fact, the only time I saw Richard Nixon just totally break down was when his wife, who he loved, when she died, that was the roughest day. I've never seen him like that with all he went through. He went through hell. But with all he went through, that was tough. But she uh, saw me on the Phil Donahue show, which you're too young to know about. But that was a very hot show. That was pre-Oprah, sort of an Oprah-type show. And I was interviewed, and she said, oh, if he ran for office, he'd win. And he told me that she said that uh, if I ever ran for president, I would win and all of this. But uh, it was nice. And he put it in writing, and it's uh, one of the letters that we put in. So last week, I had the privilege of going with you to UFC Miami. Uh, I thought that was incredible. And, you know, that was, you know, deep blue Miami. And the, the ovation in the crowd, even Dana said he's never seen anything like it. Talk about Dana White, the early times at the UFC. I mean, there's letters, letters from Vince McMahon. I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of that merger in UFC, WWE as well. But that was sort of a de facto polling. Uh, you know, that group of people and just in a roar uh, when you came in with Kid Rock. It just went viral from there. Uh, you know, talk about that. So first of all, those two people are incredible. Vince McMahon, what a job he's done. There's a great letter in here from him. Yeah. He's an incredible man and his wife, Linda, like she is fantastic. And she she really helped a lot. Believe me, you know, a lot of people, mm -hmm. they talk Vince and Vince would be the first to say that Linda was very instrumental, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dana is just nobody like him. He's the job he's done with the UFC. They sold it for four billion dollars. And it looks like the people that paid four billion dollars made a good deal because Dana, I don't. I don't even know if he's replaceable. I always say everybody's replaceable. I'm not sure he's replaceable or what he does. He's an incredible person. And they're both very loyal people. Those people, all three of them, I have to say that because I'm going to include Linda. But she's been, she's, you know, she was a head of small business. And small business is actually very large business, mm -hmm. but small business administration. And she did a phenomenal job doing that. You know, you hear small business, sounds like small. And then you look at, you know, tens of billions and just money like you never saw anything going out. She was great. But uh, Dana White, the job he's done with UFC is uh, just incredible. We did. We walked into the arena. He said, I have never, ever had a scene like that. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't one hater. There wasn't one person in the whole arena. I don't know what yeah. they have. Whatever it holds. And probably then you add some because the basketball court is much bigger than a, uh, yeah. than a ring. So what happens is they have, you know, the people are loaded on the court. The place was packed. And he said, I've never had anything like that where there was such enthusiasm and love. And uh, the fighter even, he's a great guy, Jorge, Jorge Masvidal, a great fighter. He was out and he said, Trump, the greatest president we've ever had. 
And it was just a bunch of the other fighters, by the way, for those who may not have even seen it on TV. I mean, they jumped across the fence and were like just giving you total respect. And, you know, from every demographic, guys, you wouldn't think, but they got it. It was sort of unique to see, I think, that fighter, that individual sport, they self-reliance, so many of the things that as conservatives, uh, we actually believe it was it was fascinating. Well, it is true, though. I mean, they're in the ring. They can't blame it on somebody else. They are there by themselves against rough customers. And you got to you got to fend. You can't. Uh, there's no bullshit involved. There's no yeah. nothing. You got to fight. And uh, there is something very nice about it. It's uh, old fashioned. It's somewhat primitive, but it's amazing. And uh, there's no excuses. You can't blame it on somebody else. Well, so speaking of primitive, because it feels like it's that way these days, you, you have a great line in some of the speeches I've heard lately talking about you'd be the greatest women's basketball coach of all time uh, if you could just recruit LeBron James, who you know, doesn't exactly share our political beliefs, but still a good basketball player. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that, because I think yeah, it's amazing sure. and true, and it shows how ridiculous what's going on in women's sports, or you know, supposedly women's sports. No, he's a great basketball player, but he's not a person that I like. But he's a great basketball player, and uh, as are some others, but he's really a fantastic player. But I don't you know, happen to agree with him, but I said, uh, women, it's so unfair to women what they're doing. They're putting men into women's sports, and they try and justify it. That's one of the many things, like open borders, mm-hmm. like voter ID, like all of these things. Uh, there's so many things, yeah, it's the, common the sense. mutilation of minors. The mutilation, there's a hundred different things you could say. I actually call it now April Fools because almost everything, like you said, who would say open borders are good or people are pouring into your country and that's a good thing? I say, no, it's April Fools Day. Uh, who would say that uh, men should play in women's sports? No, it's April Fools Day. Every, you could do this with a hundred different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, education with the principles where they get these principles and they're horrible. And every single thing, almost every one of their energy independence. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other country. People don't, we have more than Saudi Arabia, we have more than Russia. We were energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant within a year. We're going to make a fortune. We're going to pay off debt. We're going to lower taxes. We're going to do things that were incredible. And they stop it. And they stopped it when it hit the all time high. We energy, the oil and gas hit an all time high and they announced there will be no drilling. And yet now we take it from Venezuela, which is which has tar, which has very bad stuff. And it's refined in Houston because that's the only plants. Those are the only plants that can refine Venezuela oil, which is lousy, which is so thick, much sulfur, terrible, very bad. If you're a big believer in what they say going into the atmosphere, uh, it's, it's the worst. And we refine it in Houston and we take we take their oil. So here's the thing. Uh, we have no common sense in our country. We have no leadership in our country. We're not respected anywhere in the world. They're laughing at us. They think we're fools. And our country has lost its way. We're a, we're a country in decline. I say it in speeches now. It hurts me to say it. We're a failing nation. We're a country in decline, serious decline. I think I have to say serious decline. And it was all self-imposed. If they didn't, if they just left the energy policy the way it was, we wouldn't have had any inflation. We wouldn't have had any inflation. We had the greatest economy in history, and we're going to do it again. We had, without question, we had the greatest energy with the lowest prices we've ever had, and they were coming down even further. We had the greatest, it was the greatest moment 
prior to COVID coming in, and then we fixed it, and the stock market ended up at the end being higher than it was just pre-COVID. And we had the greatest economy in the history of our country. There was never a nation in the history of the world that did as well as we were doing just prior to COVID coming in. I'll never forget, I had some people, some political people, very big ones, very good ones, and some pollsters in just prior to COVID coming in. And we were talking about the election because it was coming down the road pretty soon. And they said, if Abraham Lincoln and George Washington got together and came back from the dead and they ran as president and vice president, they could not beat you. And that's where our country was. And the other thing, and just to finish up, uh, people were coming together. I was getting calls from people that you would not suspect. And this country was coming together. Uh, African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, uh, people with great degrees from the best colleges, people with no degrees, people with no high school degree, people with only a high school degree. Everybody was working. We had 161 million people working. We've never hit a number like that before or even close, including now. Uh, it's, uh, it's a shame what's happened to our country. Our country is now in trouble. Look at these big cities. They're rotting away. Nobody wants to live in our cities. When I was young, the biggest thing I could do is get to Manhattan. I want to get to Manhattan. I'm going to make so much. I'm going to build so yeah, we many get the beautiful hell out of Manhattan. buildings. So many beautiful buildings. I'm going to build so beautiful, such beautiful buildings. And I did that. That was a great thing. Yeah. Today, people don't want to be in the cities. Well, it's because scary. I know crime. women that are afraid to walk down the streets. Yeah. Well, listen, I think everyone understands that. I think everyone's excited to get involved in 2024. I think now more than ever, they understand the stakes. They understand the lies. And perhaps it took the disaster we're going through to actually wake up people, people who are agnostic to politics, people who you know, were just busy trying to live their American dream. But now they've watched that be exported to China and elsewhere uh, at their expense. And I think they're ready to actually fight back for their country. So we're looking forward to 2024. I hope they are, and I hope they're going to fight. And if they don't fight, we're not going to have a country anymore because this country is in deep, deep trouble, including the possibility of World War III, which would be a nuclear war, which would be unlike anything that anybody or any nation has ever experienced. It's, uh, and we're much closer than we are further. I hope it doesn't happen. But we have people that don't know what they're doing. And we have China and we have Russia and they're teaming up. And now they have Iran and they have North Korea and they're all teaming up against us. And we have nobody. We're losing countries and they're gaining countries. And if we lose our dollar standard, which is a real possibility oh now, every, every day. that will be like losing a war. That would be in many ways bigger than losing a war. So uh, I hope people are going to get out and they're going to vote in the primaries and they're going to vote in the election. And if we don't change government, we're not going to have a country anymore. And that's a certainty. Well, thank you very much. And uh, guys, check out the book. Uh, just like incredible history. Go to 45books.com. Uh, you're number one on Amazon. Amazingly enough, they even let that go to number one. And at a, you know, it's a, obviously a very high quality book at a different price point. So that's cool to see. And again, I think it just shows that people are thirsty for that. They're, they're looking to get their country back. They're looking to see America first. Uh, that's not a terrible term. That's the reality that they want. And that's what's good for their families and everyone else. So just thanks for all the incredible hard work that you're doing. And we'll let you get back to the actual work of doing just that. And good luck with the show. And I'm so happy that you're doing well. I looked and I'm saying that's my that's my guy. So I'm very happy. But you've done a great job with it. Good. Oh, we got to fight. We, it actually matters a Thank lot. You. Thank you. Thank you.
Guys, thanks so much uh, for tuning in. Make sure you're liking, sharing, subscribing so that we can get this messaging out there to everyone. We're not going to do it any other way. It's because of you that we're able to do this. And also go check out the great folks who have the guts to sponsor this show. Take the time to secure yourself, whether it's financially or uh, otherwise. Uh, Our two great sponsors, Gold Co., You can learn about securing your financial portfolio. Go to donjuniorgold.com. That's D-O-N-J-R gold.com to learn more and take care of yourself, to hedge against inflation, overspending, general stupidity, ESG, etc. And again, be prepared on the other side of things by going to My Patriot Supply, by going to preparewithdonjr.com. Be ready for an emergency. Be ready and able to take care of your family. We want you to be prepared across the board, financially and physically. So preparewithdonjr.com. And for the financial side, again, go to donjr.gold.com. Support these great sponsors. They have the guts to do this. And we'll see you guys very soon. Have a good one.